If you're enjoying the show and want more, check out loudpipes.net slash donate. For as little as $1 per month, you'll gain exclusive access to the Loud Pipes after show, The Downshift, as well as other content and sneak peeks available only to our supporters. Even $1 goes a long way, and we truly appreciate your support. Better yet, come ride with us. Step up to $5 a month and receive an invitation to the monthly video hangout and the Riders of Loud Pipes private social network. Hang out in the clubhouse with other riders, chat with us on show topics, and so much more. You want free swag? Select the barbershop level, and we'll send you a free t-shirt and an annual swag bag. Loudpipes.net slash donate. It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast centered around motorcycles, the motorcycle experience, and other automotive diversions. Recording from R-Dub Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever sufficient bandwidth can be located. Here's Rich Warfield and Rico Hogan. Loud Pipes episode 71. We're bidding farewell to an American motorcycle maker. Yes, that is the Victory brand under Polaris. And unless you've been living under a rock, you probably already know that. And our prior episode, unfortunately for us, was recorded just one day, actually about half a day in advance of that announcement. So Mr. Hogan will be here in a little bit. But in the meantime, I've got Johnny John, Spider Still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Spider Silk. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> hey, John. <laughs> hey, man. How you doing? Oh, man. Big news. That's been some major news about Victory closing down and players shutting them down. And, you know, yeah, it'd been kind of cool to do it when we broke the news. But I just thought about it. More has came out that I think it'd be given a different spin than everybody else has. Oh, man, I'm so distraught. I can't even speak. You see that? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. So, so, so uh, I know before, you, you got a beverage over there tonight, my friend? Yeah, I'm going to cry in my beer a little bit. And I'm actually going to cry because this beer is really not my thing. And I, I What? Hang on, hang on, hang on. repeat that? <laughs> it's not my thing. I would love to drink it because I've, I've already had a couple tonight since, uh, well, let, let, let me start there. I had a, a great afternoon, got to ride the bike a little bit had a little massage, worked out some sore muscles, had some oh. fantastic barbecue and a couple Uh-oh. of beers before I headed home. Uh-oh. All right. So, so, so on that barbecue, is it better than the, uh, pick and pick the brisket? Yes. Oh, all right. Well, I guess this weekend when I'm down there, you're going to take me there. I'll take you there for sure. All right. All right. Let's talk about this terrible beer. Although I'm sure it's a lovely piece but it's just not my thing and this is called um ella blank ipl earthy and unexpected it also says it's brewed with australian and german hops this is a lager six percent alcohol 65 international bittering units and it's from sam adams which is not my thing oh i i had a sammy last night as well and i couldn't drink it hmm I had the hopscape, the hopscape one. Hopscape. That's from. That's so Sam Adams. That's Sam Adams. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, not for me. Well, you just save those for me. Don't you worry. Uh, okay. <laughs> save them for me. I'll put them to good use. Uh, okay, you 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 suck them down, huh? 
I will. I will. You have a beverage? Yeah, man, I do. I, you know, continue on my New Year resolution. I got another beer tonight. It's a high wire lager, and it's uh, brewed out of uh, the Three River Brewing, the Three Ring Brewing out of Asheville, North Carolina. High wire. I don't know if I've had that one. Yeah, it's a lager. It's a true American lager that is approachable as it is delicious. A perfect blend of light pilsner malt and German hops. It's not bad. Well, enjoy that. It sounds a little bit like a yingling. Yeah. <laughs> as I found out um, <laughs> last night drinking the Sam Adams, the IBU, I think, has to be lower than 20 for me. I can't have bitter beer. Just doesn't go for me. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I get the sense for that. I mean, that's that's a serious acquired taste to get used to a heavy amount of hops. So I can understand that. The, the Sam was 30, and that was too much. A little much for you. All right, all right. So you got some writing now, huh? Unlike last week when we recorded, we were covered with snow. Yeah, what a nice change in weather. I mean, we went from just frigid single digits to we were in the mid 70s on friday today it was almost 70 again i think it was 68 or 69 um but i mean you and i talk about this a lot john my my blood has just thinned out being in the south for over a decade it's just goes under 60 you know start getting down to that 50 range and i'm like "Mm, it's getting cold it's getting cold yeah I, i i know what you mean but then, you know, when we get to the 100 degrees, I mean, we get out there and muddle through it. Become adjusted, yeah. Come adjusted, and it's a temperature change. And it, it's we've had a lot of talking in our group this past week about the temperatures and riding and everything, so. Yeah. It was a good ride, though. I, I wanted to ride Friday. I didn't get out at all. Or actually, I'm sorry. Friday got out for just a tiny bit. Uh, Saturday didn't ride at all. Did mostly stuff with the kids and around the house. And today, of course, you know, I needed to be somewhere by myself, so took the opportunity to ride the bike, and it was well needed, and it was just enough. I think it was 24, 25 miles, give or take, and it was just enough. Scratched the itch, warmed it up, ready to go to Daytona. Daytona? What? 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 Hang on, hang on. We're going to Daytona? I was going to say, you want to talk about that a little bit while we're waiting on Mr. Hogan here? Yeah, man. So, so yeah, that was pretty cool. So, we're taking a trip? Yeah, so John and I have firmed up. We're somewhere around the 27th, maybe the 26th, depending on uh, how the schedule shape up. But we are going to mount up and ride ourselves down to Daytona for a couple of days. And of course, it is to see the Rolex 24, which is a sports car endurance race, if you're not, not familiar. And, and kind of a backstory, John and I, of course, known, I've known him for over 20 years. We've talked about that before. We've been to, I don't, I can't even count how many NASCAR races we've been to together over the years. 20? I would say 20, 25 maybe. It's, it's been a lot. Because we used to hit a couple a year for a while, and then the last few years we haven't gone hardly and at all. Lo- you know. And let's not forget about the local tracks we've been to. That's right. Yeah. Thompson, Connecticut, when we lived up, yeah. up in the New England area. Seekonk, oh. Mass. That was good times. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cool racing, a lot of dirt. I miss dirt racing. Dirt racing is cool, yeah. Aside from the flat track racing we're going to do this year in Charlotte, I want to go see some more. Uh, I like the wing sprint cars, the late models, the World of Outlaw late models. Love those cars. I love the modifieds. 
fun to watch. But yeah, so motorcycle trip. John and I are going to take a big trip, ride down to Daytona. May do a couple of things for the show down there. We don't really know just yet, but the main idea is to spend some time with my parents who are down there. Mom and dad are doing the snowbird thing, so we'll hang out with them for a little bit near uh, Daytona Beach and go watch some sports car racing. So I think that'll be fun. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it. And like we talked before, you know, they got the reserve seats and the general mission. I think, you know, we've talked, I think the general mission seats are the best ones to go with because I don't think we're really going to be in the seats very much. I think there's way too much to do. Yeah, and being a 24-hour race, there's a lot of different angles to see. You know, it's also a road course, so we're not just watching them go around a circle. So I want to walk around the track. I want to get different vantage points, and I want to see as much as possible while we're there, including all the infield fan stuff there is to do there. Yeah, and and, and if you get the garage access, you get down there with the drivers and the pit crew and see them come in, and it's going to be really different. I mean, if anybody has any information I've gone that listens to our show, you know, shoot us some information because, you know, Rich and I have never been and new experience of, I mean, I found a website talking about the top things to do. So, well, we'll see what happens. Now, racing aside, I'm excited to ride. How many miles are we looking at each way? It's about Uh, seven uh to eight hours of riding each way. It's eight hours each way. Mm. What is that mileage wise? Okay, you know, let me get out the map here. Let's see here. Yeah, I got on paper here. That's uh, 400 or something, right? Oh, it's more than 400. It's about, oh no, it's right around probably about five, 600, I think it is. So, <laughs> a second. <laughs> Four, five, 600. Ooh, man, whatever. <laughs> whatever. We're just going to get on the bikes and ride until we we get tired. And Your mileage count is as smooth as my opening. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's 477 miles from Charlotte down. All right. So Seven hours. And then if you head to my house first, that's another one. One sixty-seven. Yeah, one sixty and about two and a half to three hours. Give or take. Yeah. And then we leave from here. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Trying to figure out how far we can get if we leave in the afternoon or early evening. See how far we can get on that first day and then finish it off on Friday. That would, that would be ideal. Be to leave Thursday night. Yep. Cover a good amount of ground and then finish it off on friday i i think that you know what we have planned i think it'd be better if we get farther down the road we'll just have to see how the highway stint goes and if we're rested or not or you mm-hmm. know i think when that one we need play by year and the temperature you know if it's if it's going to stay above 50 i think we'll be able to make good time but if it's going to dip into the 40s that's going to be tough well, we'll just have to maybe, you know, make a little couple stops, get the hands warmer out and, <laughs> you know. So so tell me about that. You gave me a little preview earlier. You bought hand warmers today? I've heard stories. I don't know. I was reading it or, or Natalie threw out or somebody. Not sure if it's going to work, but, you know, the little camping hand warmers that, you know, packs that heat up to like 100 and some odd degrees, chemical stuff. Try to shoot them in the gloves and while riding on top or something and see if they can keep our hands warm. What's the worst thing it does? doesn't work. Now, you're talking, these are like the little disposable packs that you just yeah, yeah. smack them together and drop them in your gloves? Yeah. That's what they are. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've never, I don't recall ever using those. I mean, even when I was younger, I don't remember using those. I mean, I've never used them in my past. I mean, I know hunters use them when they go hunting. And like you and I have said, 
you know, when we went right on New Year's Eve, it was more our fingertips just got cold. So if we could get those fingertips stayed warm, I think we'd be golden. That was the main thing for me. The core was in good shape. My legs were okay. I could have, I probably could have put on another layer and, and not been too hot. But yeah, the fingertips got cold and a little bit around my neck too, because my little turtle fur thing, right? I haven't quite figured that out. And I don't have the, what do they call that? The chin curtain on my helmet on the showy. Oh yeah. You honestly need to put that on. Yeah. I don't have it installed because I'm still waiting to, to wire up the center. Are you going to do that before the trip? Yeah, I think I have to. <laughs> if you and I are going to ride 500 miles together, I think I need to have the Senna. <laughs> so talking about the Senna and your hating technology, just let you know, they have released the Ride Connect app, which takes the Senna and connects to your phone through a Bluetooth, and then it connects to other parties via your data service, either Wi-Fi or cellular. So, um, Ooh. yeah. Last night, uh, I did it with Matthew. That's an hour away from me, and we were he connected in, and I had we connected the centers, and we talked back and forth. Oh, now that's cool. So, so, so theoretically, I could we could connect when you leave Raleigh, and I could be sitting in my house. Yep, you just have to have your center on. You have to have the center on connected. But yeah, as soon as I leave or anytime anybody rides, you can talk to your buddies wherever they are and chat away. Nice. And we'll give a full report when we get back. We'll see how it works. I, I, I think it's still in the learning stages. And um, I heard this from listening to the Throttle podcast and uh, Kevin down to at um, ICMA. And he was talking to the Senna rep. About the software or the application? Yeah, software. He was talking to the Senna rep and giving some information. And this is where I heard about it. So it was, they just released it. So. We'll have to check. Like you said, we'll check it out and see how it works. Yeah, that'll be neat. And I wonder, did it sound any clearer or about the same? I think it sounded clearer. I think there's a little more delay. I mean, you got to realize you are going up to a service and back down. Um, same way with like Skype or something. Now, by Wi-Fi, does that mean it's porting through a central server of some sort? Or does it do like point-to-point Wi-Fi? Like, how does that part work? Do you know? I, I think it goes out to the... I think it connects to the center's maybe Ride Connect server. Oh, okay. That, and then it goes out because you got to connect to a team. Gotcha. So if, you, so if you're on Wi-Fi at home and I'm on the road, this is obviously going to use my, my cell service, but, it, but it'll use your home Wi-Fi. It will use my home Wi-Fi, yeah. Yep. Yep. And then me. once you're at a Wi-Fi range, hopefully it smoothly transitions to... Uh, data. To data. Yeah. And I wonder how that works with hotspots. Like you're riding down the road and... You know, if you've got, let's say, an AT&T phone, my work phone is AT&T, and anytime I get near a, a Wi-Fi hotspot for AT&T, it automatically just connects. It, it might do that. Who knows? So I wonder if that'll break up the call at all. Not sure. The other thing, you know, you got to realize you are dependent on self-service when you're out, so that's the other downside. So, yeah, you know, I think in us going down the highway to Daytona, we're going to be probably pretty golden because there it is. I mean, but yeah, we're only have- going to be a couple feet from me. Well, the other thing is then we just use the built-in Bluetooth intercom if we need to. Right. Because we, we've seen it with, with only two, it works great. But when you start adding people, the server starts to, the connection charts changing and starts getting noisy. So, yeah. Oh, well, well, like you said, we'll try it out and we'll, we'll give a nice little report when we get back. I thought, thought you might enjoy that. 
as long as they keep making it better, I'm, I'm a happy man. It's, you know, it's one thing to complain and, and not have anything, not have a company do anything about it. But as long as they're listening to their customers and they're continually trying to improve it, then, you know, that helps build loyalty and buy, buy another one in the future. Yeah, I think they do a pretty good job. Unfortunately, I mean, you do have to realize about technology and communication. I mean, there is a limitation. So if you're using Bluetooth, it's, you know, line of sight. So right, that's the problem. Yeah, I think the real beauty with that ride command is going to be, that is the name, right? Am I getting that correct? Oh, it's called Ride Connect. Ride Connect. Ride, ride Connected, yeah, Ride Connected. Ride Command, <laughs> that's Indian's nav system. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Talk, <laughs> yeah. See, you're getting into the Indian talk already. Victory. Uh, you know. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, do you want to? While we wait for Hogan, you want to just transition into the victory announcement? I'm sure everyone's heard it at this point, but yeah, yeah, we can do that. I mean, I'm ready to. We can go into that and talk about the sad news about you know players saying victory. We're shutting you down. Well, you know what? It's it's sad news. Um, it's not, not a huge surprise to many, uh, who've been following and wondering this for a while. I mean, we've talked about it for at least a year, you know, with kind of the two brands coming out of Polaris. It's like, well, when's victory going to get some love? What are they going to do with victory? And should I talk about my, or my, uh, prediction? <laughs> well, we could jump in that U-turn about, what was it? You made some prediction that you made live but you're the master of editing and somehow it got deleted yeah we'll throw it out now with it without a proper u-turn but on the live show for episode 70 one of my predictions was that victory would get something new this year you know new bike or you know possibly an engine update or something like that and i think that was my fourth pick after we had gone through the lineup or maybe it was the third and then not 12 hours later, after we finished the recording, we wake up Monday morning to the announcement that Polaris is going to wind down the operations for Victory. So then, as I was editing on Monday, I just, as I was listening to that, I said, that has to go. Like, I've just got to strike that. It's dumb. This episode is going to come out after the Polaris announcement. So I made the executive decision to snip it. Since we're sitting here talking about the predictions, I wonder if my prediction about Indian getting a new bike is going to come out. What do you think? Yeah, you and think I they'll hope. roll something, roll one of the victory bikes into Indians, kind of take it and roll it into like the Indian, like I don't know, Indian cross country. Well, no, they competed. Maybe like the Hammer or something. Yeah, I we talked about this offline. I think Monday night you and I got together when we were um, talking about show topics. And I was wondering if maybe there'd become like a sub brand and he would just call it like Indian sport or something and just take that great one Oh six that they already have for victory and put it into something that looks more like an Indian, but, but keep the sporty part, keep the performance aspect, the Brembo brakes, the handling, things like that, you know, keep that set up. You can make it look a little bit more like an Indian, but you know, bring a little bit of that victory love over to the, to the Indian camp. It was, it was just a thought. So, and that, that's kind of what I'm branding it. You know, Indian Polaris, feel free to run with that. If you want to call it Indian sport, you know, we'll take 2%. That's, that's fine. Well, the, the, <laughs> the thing you got to look at is the fact that, you know, the Octane, they just released the Octane. So, so would that maybe 
could that fall under? I'm looking at the pictures, and could that fall under? Well, but an Indian bike. But well, remember that is an Indian. That's an Indian scout, essentially. Uh, okay, all right, that's true. Yeah, that's. But they don't have to. That was Victory's version of the scout. Ah, uh, okay. You know, they got a little more horsepower, but different styling, a little more horsepower, but it's essentially a scout. Okay, well, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? We will have to see, and. You know, a lot of different things I've read and, and looked at since the announcement, the the message that sort of resonates with me the most is from Lloyd at Lloyd's Motorworks. You know, he put out a couple of nice sort of heartfelt videos because that, that affects him pretty big because he does victory in Indian performance. You know, and he was essentially saying, you know, let's let's give this time to settle, you know, and let's look forward, you know, keep keep together as a community. Let's look forward. And maybe something good will still come out of this. So I thought that was pretty pretty sound and level-headed advice, the way he put that. Yeah, it is. And we'll see, you know, like you said, we'll see what happens. And kind of to continue on with the official announcement, it's been stated that they will continue the support of warranties uh, for owners and service for them. And they will continue to have uh, parts for up to 10 years. So you know, that's been announced. So, yeah. And I think that's key. I mean, they're the other nice thing that's coming out of this is some pretty steep discounts. I mean, I've seen uh 40 plus percent discounts on bikes, even the the newest Magnums that are out there. There's a, a dealership in Florida that even has an impulse TT for $6,000 brand new. So does that mean I've been asking the wife every day to buy one of those. <laughs> And and does that mean that you're going to go buy that Magnum? I don't think so, but it's it's an attractive price. The one I was looking at was 15 and change for the newest Magnum in that red color with the dual black stripes. Yeah, very very nice looking bike. But you know, my my challenge is I'm not really in a position to buy any bike, you know, regardless of the price. Now now let's just throw this out. And you, if you were willing or wanted to go buy a bike, would you go down to the discount and and go buy a Victory? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd have no problem buying one of those bikes. I mean, it's a solid platform. Um, we know they're reliable based on stuff that we've read. Uh, maybe not the easiest to work on with the overhead cams and things like that. But what you had just mentioned a second ago, John, I think it is the best news that you could get if you're going to buy one of these is that Polaris is going to back them for 10 years. You know, that means making parts available, servicing them through the dealerships. I mean, that's that's all you can ask for, right? I would think. Yeah, it is. It is. And and now thinking about what they have done, I kind of go back and think about me buying a Spider. And yeah, I got a twenty. I bought it in twenty sixteen. You know, but it's a twenty fourteen, and there's some major. You know, we're talking five grand off the MSRP. So I thought it was maybe due to leftover, and then. L- Literally, the 2017 models, it, the RS got dropped off. So, yeah, was it... A little foreshadowing. Was it, <laughs> was it little information? Now, I look back and says, hmm, that's why they cut it down, was because they need to get rid of them, because they weren't going to make the next model? So, we'll see what happens with Victory and what they're going to do. I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's it's sad news, but, you know, let's let's be honest. Polaris is a business. And they're not in business for charity, as far as I know. You know, they're in business to make money, like every other business. And right. they, apparently, they were not making money on Victory, and 
they seem to be making quite a bit of hay with the Indian brand, so they've decided to ride that horse, as one of them have said. The information I have read was over the last uh, five years, they've only been uh, profitable three years. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, so if you're going up and everything else. And, and I know we've had talks in multiple circles that I'm in and with us. And one thing I read was uh, talking about how Victory bikes are sitting over in the corner and the dealers aren't pushing them. Can you blame it someone on the dealers for not, you know, help push the bikes and everything else? So, yeah, and just the episode before we had talked about how you could see that that victory wasn't a priority, and and now we know why. So, shall we get into? You want to talk a little history about the bikes and what we've dug up about them? And yeah, yeah, our our idea with with the victory announcement was not just to sort of wallow around in our our sorrows here, but but really just. Let's take a look at what they've done over the years, you know, like a little mini celebration. And we're actually planning another episode with an interesting interview. And if, if all goes well on that, we'll have some, some really interesting insight uh, into Victory and, and Indian to a lesser degree. And hopefully an interesting, I'm looking for approach. <laughs> um, View? A viewpoint, yes. That's, thank you. <laughs> uh, an interesting viewpoint on moving forward. So. We'll have some more on that hopefully in the, in the next show, and uh, if not, possibly the one after that. Yeah, sweet. So one thing while we're digging up, I find very interesting about Victory that I did not even know about was uh, all the components of the first bike, the V ninety two C, except for the uh, brakes, the Brembo brakes, and the British made uh, electric fuel injector system was all made in Minnesota or Iowa. That's so, cool. You know, we talk about stuff American made, and and here you go, and this is a bike that was done and designed. Yeah. And, and the other cool, neat feature that I think was they designed the engine to be t- easily tuned by the owner. Yeah, that's nice. And the, their whole their whole mantra around um, American muscle, you know, around the V twin market, was something that re- was really starting to speak to me. I I'm not sure why I didn't look closer at Victory before I bought my Harley and we talked about this in the, in the pre-show John, where it just, I was laser focused on getting the deuce. I really wasn't looking at anything else, but, but they were out there. They were attractive. Yeah. I just, it just wasn't enough. Wasn't on my radar enough to consider them as a purchase until, you know, fast forward to when we started loud pipes and get to researching bikes more and riding more bikes. Then it started to become more clear, like, yeah, these are really good bikes, you know, powerful. And I actually like the look, you know, not everyone liked the look of the Magnum, for example, with the, that angular shaped fairing, but you know, I kind of like it. So I'm sad to see them go, but they were doing some, some innovative things. I like that. Right. Now, a couple of quick notes. So all of our information for the history, uh, came out of largely two areas and we'll put links to all these in our show notes there's a big uh, wikipedia page for victory Um, john's found a couple different pages on the the early engine that they did and also uh, victory as a whole but also victory themselves have a nice little timeline um, on their website so we'll put a link to that as well it's it's neat to walk back through that and see all the different bikes right it is so v92c when was that released john it was a uh, 1990. Uh, the first model, officially model year was 99. Production began in 98. 
Um, and they had a debut with uh, Ellinger Jr. in at the Mall of America in the Mall in Minnesota in 1997 with the bike. So, you know, they kind of got a big person to come out there and show off the bike. Yeah, that's neat. Now, the interesting thing with this uh, V92C is you dug up some pretty interesting information on the specs. So what was unique about this bike at the time or this first engine? What was unique about it at the time? It was the first, it was the second largest um, engine produced, motorcycle engine produced, available at that time, which I thought was kind of neat. Or or maybe you're pushing more towards the Harley comment (laughs) that I found that I thought was really interesting, was talking about more horsepower and torque than Harley's 88B motor. At the time, yeah. Yep. More than the V-Twin Tour, the VT, the v 92 TC woofed out 71 horsepower at the rear wheels at uh, 5,000 RPMs and 87 foot-pounds of torque at 3,300 RPMs. And, you know, the stock Freedom motor produces essentially the same as an 88B with a Stage 1 big bore kit. So the comment is, why buy and build when you can simply build or buy and ride? Now, this was the, the 100 cubic inch Freedom engine, or was this the original 92? You know, it, d- it doesn't say in this article that I've, there's a different article, it's a New Zealand article that I got okay. that I, I found. Um, well, we'll put a link to it, but I'm just looking at some of the notes you have here that the, the V92C, um, 92 cubic inches, as the name would imply, which is 1510cc but saying 55 horsepower at the at the wheel. So I don't know, maybe there was a later revision or maybe that was the 100 cubic inch bike you were talking about. Yeah, um, it could be. Um, the article talks about the the 2000 was a year. So, so that's kind of one of the interesting things. And the other interesting note was the Victory V92C motor was the biggest and baddest V20 you could buy at the 1507 but was overshadowed by the Yamaha 1602cc Roadstar and then the Honda 1800cc VTX. The beast. That thing is a beast. <laughs> you know which one's even bigger beast, if you want to talk about side notes? is that Triumph. Well, that Triumph, that big... Is it with the rocket? Whatever, it has the 2200cc, 2300cc engine that we saw at that B place. <laughs> Yeah, and I think isn't um isn't Jebby getting a Yamaha looking at getting a Yamaha Raider, and that's over nineteen hundred cc. Yeah, that's what it is. Something yeah, like that. Looking, yeah, it's nineteen hundred. So yeah, he'll give us information because he's in our live stream, so he'll give us the uh, <laughs> information. I'll just wait for it. I will go digging. And Jebby, of course, one of our first five riders. So we thank him as always. You know, with the history, have you seen anything that sticks out to you? Well, the interesting thing to me was. The quick change in engine. So the V92 was just a couple of years before. It came out in 2002. The Freedom engine came out. Yeah, so basically less than five years, they already had kind of an upgraded engine. And then we're still trying to find the actual date when they went to the 106. But that's the 106 is still what is in all the bikes today. Right. So 2010, from what I can tell, is when the 106 came out. So for seven years seven model years that's been the mill for them so you know not saying that they needed a change but you know seven years without any change to the power plant that's that's getting a little long in the tooth i think 
Well, not corner Harley. I mean, look how long Harley's ran. <laughs> well, yeah, the twin cam was at 17 or so years, but they did make changes to it. You know, you had the 88 cubic inch, then it became a 96, then the 103. So the twin cam platform itself, you know, may have been around for that many years, but they they did keep bumping up the displacement. And the answer to Raider is technically an 1854 cc which is 113 cubic inch. Mm, that's still pretty stout. Yeah, it's 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 pretty stout. We'll, we'll see. Very nice. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see, what stands out for me? One of the coolest pages that I was looking at, like I was saying, is the history page that's on Victory's website. That was one of the coolest pages for me to scroll through because they start there in 98, 99, uh, with that V92C, like you talked about, John. Yep. And then they go into the the Freedom engine in 2001. And now you get into some bikes that that I sort of cross-shopped before I landed on the Deuce. You've got the Hammer in 2005 that would have had a you know larger back wheel at the time, 100 cubic inch there with a six-speed. Then you've got the Jackpot, which I think that was an even wider rear tire either the same or maybe an even wider rear tire, uh, some different paint schemes, you know, really a nice looking piece, a nice looking cruiser at that point. Uh, some things they shout out here in 2006 was that it was named the best American bike by Forbes.com. You know, lots of accolades. Motorcycle Cruiser Magazine named a hammer the cruiser of the year one year earlier in 2005. So these were bikes that were sort of on my radar, just not enough to to pull me away from Harley at the time. I just wasn't informed enough for lack of a better term, right? It was just not informed. Yeah. And to answer your question, the jackpot had a two fifty millimeter rear tire. It's very interesting. And and then you probably didn't realize that there was a, a Ness signature series. So Arlen Ness and his son helped team up with Victor in two thousand three to create a limited base of the Vegas. Yeah, it was interesting. And I've ridden a Ness Magnum before on the test ride I did, I think it was almost two years ago now. Um, one of the Magnums that I, that I rode on that day was a, a Ness edition and the paint on it was really cool. The styling was, was fairly well done, maybe a little overdone for some people, but I thought it was a nice looking piece. Yes. And I think they've, they try to touch people. I mean, they did the eight ball series, which they blacked out, which is really unique. That's why I'm curious if they want to cross something. Now, some interesting things, and I don't know if this was for better or worse, but the Vision in 2008, boy, that is a a face only a mama can love in my eyes. What do you think of that one, John? It's unique. That's all I got to say. I mean, you know, people have different opinions of bikes and what they like. So, you know, some people might like it, some people might not, you know. Yeah, it's, you know, I'll give him a point for innovation, but stylistically, just not my thing. But, you know, I've run into a couple people out out in my travels that, that ride them. And, man, the people that ride them, they absolutely love it. And and you can't tell them anything about it. That is their baby. Just like you Harley guys? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you you like what you like, and really no one can tell you otherwise. You know, that's, that's your bike. Once you find yeah. your bike, that's yours. You know, let's use Jebby, for example. We've gone back and forth in the clubhouse for months on different bikes. And he sort of came back to, well, 
I've kind of liked the Raider for quite a while. And if he settles on it and buys it, that's his bike. And then who cares? Who cares what I think about it? Who cares what anyone thinks about it? That's his bike. He's going to ride it. He's going to look awesome on it. He's going to have a blast. And oh, yeah. no one can tell him otherwise. That's just, that's how it's going to be. As long as he's happy, put a smile on your face riding down the road. I mean, that's all that matters. I mean, because what was he looking at? He was looking at oh, victory what? We've been all over. <laughs> Victories. Yeah. Magnums. Was he looking at a Magnum? Yeah. Cross okay. countries. Yep. And he went back and this is the one he's got. So, you know, yeah. And he said that he's always wanted it. Looked so. at I know he said on a couple of Indians, so it's been it's been all over the place. So, well, it's good that he's taking his time to find what he wants to. I mean, that's I think the biggest thing. Don't run out there and jump on it. And says, oh, here's what I want, and get it, and then you get it home, and then you're like, I hate it. So, yeah, that's the advice I'd give to people. You know, do your research, and and I think that's a lot of people. You know, do your research. I think towards the end here, I don't I don't know what went wrong, and I'm not even going to try to speculate. It wouldn't it wouldn't be fair. Wouldn't be fair. I guess it wouldn't be right for us to speculate on what went wrong. But to me, the last couple of years seems like they really had some interesting product. The Magnum X1, which, man, what a good looking bike. I mean, I felt when I was riding that, I felt like the king of the road. And there's not many other bikes out there where you're just like, man, I am the baddest ass out here on the road. And no one else has a better looking bike than this. It just, just gave me that sort of feeling. I just loved it. And then you see what they're doing with the electric bike, you know, buying, buying the motorcycle division from Bramo, coming out with the Impulse TT, racing at an Isle of Man, you know, Project 156, running up Pikes Peak, just all sorts of cool stuff in the last couple of years. It just uh, kind of hurts to see it just stop like that. And like I said, I'm, I'm not going to even begin to speculate on the downfalls other than just, you know, I'll miss it. So do you think they'll, I know we don't have the answer. They just brought the electric one. Do you think they'll bring it rolling into Indian? Indian with an electric bike. That's interesting. I mean, you just bought an electric bike and the market's there. Maybe the sales aren't there. I don't know, but that's an interesting one. Well, I think the market's there for electric bikes if it's priced right. The Impulse TT is $20,000, so... Mm. You can get you can get electric bikes from zero significantly less than that that will have more range and maybe more practicality. That's true. So I'm looking I'm I'm looking at the zero stuff right now real quick. Yeah, that's the tough part to swallow on the impulse is the twenty thousand dollars. Of course, you can buy one today for six thousand because they're trying to get rid of them. Yeah. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe their plan is to shut it down completely. So. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, uh, zero. You can get the, you know, zero S. Uh, yeah, like look at the DS. Yeah, the DS. I'm looking at DS models. That's the problem. Or the S. Yeah, I'm sorry. The S would be more like the Impulse. It's kind of sporty. You know, it was ten, ten, ten for the, eleven, ten nine for the base model up to sixteen six for. Yeah. The S F Z thirteen with the plus power tank. Yeah, now you're talking about something that's going to get over 200 miles of range. Yeah, 200 miles. Yeah, the, the so. Victory's Impulse can't touch that. So that's an awful tall order to ask $20,000 for that bike, personally, I think. It is. But as we saw the other day in episode 70, where we started talking pricing, 
I didn't. I thought victory was would have been lower in a ball game, but they're not. Yeah, you know they're they're right up there. So yeah, if I if I was in charge over there, I think I would have taken the Kia approach. You know what I mean? Kia and Hyundai, right? Sort of, they're kind of partners. And if you think of how they broke into the market, they started with inexpensive models, and they just cut the market. They just cut the price on them to a point where you had to look at it. You know, it was so inexpensive, you'd be a fool not to consider it. You know, let's say, let's say the competition was selling a compact car for twenty thousand. Kia was selling it for thirteen. Then you got the ten-year, hundred-thousand-mile warranty on it. Right, and then they had a better warranty. They, you know, doing things a little different. Then you fast forward ten years or so. Now they're making great cars. They're on par with everyone else. You know, they've caught up with technology and design and reliability. And then they just slowly brought the price up to sort of match the market. And now I think they are pretty much on par, maybe a little bit less. Um, they still have, from what I understand, they still have a better warranty than many in the industry. And I think if I was running the ship over there at Victory, I would have done the same thing. I would have just undercut everybody by a boatload, you know, and just force you to come take a look at these bikes because it would be such a deal. You'd be a fool not to look at it. Even go to a step farther, and I don't know if you realize this or have seen it or how much is out there, but Gen- Hyundai has split Genesis off into its own company. Yeah, now they've made their own luxury brand. So they're, you know, they've grown in leaps and bounds. Like I said, their quality's up, their reliability's up, their design is even sharp now. I see some of them on the road. I'm like, is that a Lexus? Is that a Mercedes? Like, what is that? Oh, it's a Kia or it's a Genesis, you know, like, yeah, it totally throws you off. But, you know, so then, Step back to victory for a second. So you put the price down there where you have to look at it. Let's say the Magnum X1 they sell for twenty thousand even, right? Instead of twenty four. Now you have to look at it. And then when you get a hundred thousand of them out on the road, you get more money. Put it back into R and D. You keep revising the bike. You make it on par or better than the other ones, and then you bring the price up. Right. It's it's one of those things. I don't know. And and then maybe the other thing you should look at it is that, you know, Victory's competing against Indian. So you're taking money out my big mothership over here. Well, they are now, but, you know, Victory has an 18-year life. They've only had Indian since, what did you say earlier, 2010 was the announcement that they purchased right. the rights? Oh, 2011. 2011, they purchased the rights. And then originally they, uh, in 2013... They came out with it. You know, we get back to our notes real quick. Yeah. Well, while you're doing that, and and I should research it a little further before I kind of make that a, you know, a strong statement. Maybe victories were cheaper back in the day when they'd been around less than ten years. I'd have to go back and look at that. I when I was shopping the Deuce, so I ended up with a 2007 model year. I don't remember them being that much cheaper than Harley at the time. May have been a little bit cheaper, but again, it's kind of the take notice effect. It wasn't cheap enough where I was sort of forced to look at it. You know, my right. my deuce had a sticker price of I forget the change, but let's call it eighteen thousand. If the comparable victory was sixteen five, that's probably not enough for me to look at it. You know, right. if it was fourteen thousand dollars, you know, you're gonna save me four thousand dollars. That's a different story. 
Right. And, and, and to, to go back to your numbers, it was 2013. They re- unveiled the 111 Thunder Thunder Stroker. And then the first models was 2014. Thunderstroker. <laughs> that's what, that's what it had on the site. I like that. Thunderstroke. That's what they call it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like Thunderstroker. <laughs> hey. <laughs> is that your and, is that your porn name? <laughs> <laughs> Good God. Get your head out of the gutter, my friend. God. <laughs> e tag coming up. <laughs> Um, but the first models that they came out with, he asked me, it was interesting, was the the Chief Classic, the Chief Vintage, and the Chieftain. And they named the Chieftain a 2013 Motorcycle of the Year by Roadrunner Motorcycle Touring and Travel Magazine. Hmm. So, not name one, but they threw it out there. All right, all right. Oh, let's see. What else, what else? Well, since Victory's shutting down, is there any bike that if I didn't want to buy a Harley and an Indian that I could get on? I think there are. Yeah, there are other brands out there that are doing it. I mean, the one that, that Jebby's looking at, for example, the Yamaha Raider, that's a cruiser. That's a V-twin. It's not a Harley. It's not an Indian. You know, it's not even an American company, if you want to put that in there, but that's an alternative. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading a live chat. Uh, that's that's going in the book somewhere. <laughs> Good God, <laughs> I won't be living it down. So, so I mean, you also we talked earlier about the Triumph. Triumph bikes, you know, have some nice, you know, have some cruiser bikes that you could get on. Yeah, Triumph's got some interesting bikes just in general. You know, not even just cruisers, but if you're not wanting to buy a Harley or an Indian. I would certainly be looking at Triumph. I would be looking at the cruisers that are still made from the Japanese brands. Like we said, the Raider. Um, Suzuki still makes a couple of cruisers, I'm sure. Um, does Kawasaki still make that big 2,000cc bike? Let's take a look. Yeah, let's pull that up here and I'll see. And while we're doing that, you know, why doesn't more Japanese manufacturers get into the cruiser world and try to compete with Harley? I mean, that's something that we've talked about offline as well. Yeah, is why don't they jump in there? Kawasaki, uh, there's a couple different baggers that you may want to check out. The Vulcan 1700 Vaquero, which is an interesting looking bagger. And then there's the 1700 Voyager, which would be more like a full touring bike with the tour pack and everything. Uh, but then there's the Vulcan 900 Custom and Classic. There's also a Classic LT with a windshield. Um, there's also a Vulcan S cafe style and some smaller ones here but i i don't see the big 2000 anymore yeah i don't see that anymore in fact uh the valcan was the one that um what is it uh smitty painted from two years ago easy rider the vicaro yeah that the green bike with the dragon on it yep that was neat so i mean that's interesting that since we're doing some research this isn't but I i don't see many of these big ones out there i saw one I think it was Thursday I saw one in the morning. I was crossing over Providence Road, and I saw one of those big Vicaros make a turn. Sounded pretty nice, actually. I mean, at that price, I mean, you could walk in there at 16, at less 17, to pull with that big bike. That's not a bad deal. That's a good alternative. And I know there's a couple of guys in our in our clubhouse that have been looking at this as an option as well. Was I on looking at a Vicaro, perhaps, or wanted to ride one? 
Can't remember. I don't remember. I know. I I, I think he's going to go back and look at the. Uh, you're you're a good one. The uh, Flying Fortress again. <laughs> well, that's another one. You know, look at Moto Guzzi. Some yeah. really interesting bikes over there. And what we talked about before the show was about the fact with those heads sticking out. And I don't know. I, I was looking at the pictures of it. That would kind of concern me with those heads sticking out that you'd hit them. Yeah, mobility comes into play and I guess more annoyance. Like I said, I have a hard enough time with my leg riding against my air cleaner. I can't imagine kicking the cylinder head when you're trying to stretch out. Yeah, I mean, you kind of just limited your range completely. Yeah. And then also talking about the other one we talked about before was uh, Yamaha with the Starline, or now Yamaha's Yeah, bike. it's all under Yamaha now, yeah, right. Moved under. So, I mean, I think there's some options out there for people to look at, just not very well known other than Harley and Indian. Yeah, and a lot of it's market penetration. I mean, the Japanese cruisers, they've always made decent bikes, but they've just never been able to get the penetration into the market. So I think that's the main thing. You know, Victory struggled with the same thing, which is getting people to look at the bike, ride it. You know, what was the slogan they had? Ride one, you'll own one, something like that. So that's something to consider. But on the Suzuki side, that's another one that I was thinking about is that big boulevard. Oh, yeah. That M90. Yeah. That's a big beast. That's a, what is that? It's over 1,400 cc's. It's overhead cams. That's what Victory was doing. And it's just over 11,000. So that's for, that's for a the bike. Cruiser. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's, that's pretty good entry money for you. And then they've got the crazy one, the M109R, 15,000. That's 1,783 cc. That's ridiculous. Wow. Dual overhead cam. Crazy, hmm. crazy. So yeah, it look is. at look at. I would say, you know, if if you don't want Harley and Indian, I would definitely look at some of the the Japanese brands. They have a lot of different cruisers. I mean, the touring bikes probably aren't going to be on par with you know your Street Glide or your Ultras and things like that, Chieftains. But you know, they have some interesting stuff in the cruiser market. Certainly, big V twins, easy on the wallet. I would definitely look at those. And then right. if you want something interesting, a lot of different options from Triumph. And you know, if you're really daring, go look at Moto Guzzi. <laughs> right. Yep. I don't know if daring is the right word, but. It's correct. You know, it's, it's be interesting to see what they do. I mean, well, we'll just have to wait and see what everybody rolls out with. Now I've got, I got to look at Yamaha. So now is that, is that Raider still available as a new bike? I don't know. Cruiser Touring. And sorry for all the clicking. I'm just rolling through the internet here. Yeah, we're kind of like uh, swinging this one by our seat or our pants tonight, everybody. Yeah, Mr. Hogan got tied up. He's he's busier than... He's probably got more to do than three or four men should be taking on right now, but <laughs> he, he's doing what he can to, to still stay plugged in. Yeah, the Ra- they have the Raider still. They have the Raider S and the Raider Bull Cowl. So... Bullet Cowl? Well, it's got a little... I think that's... A little cowl in the front. That's interesting. And they still have the striker. Yeah. Which has got an interesting rake on the front of it. And that's only 11,900. Yeah. And the, the, the Raider, the big one's only 15. What? I think you need to go down there and test one of these, Rich. Yeah. The striker's cool looking. 80 cubic inch, um, single overhead cam, eight valves, a five speed transmission. Though. Eight valves. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> 
Does that sound like a Harley Milwaukee 8? Milwaukee 8. Cool. So yeah, that was the other part. We just wanted to do uh, give some other alternatives. You know, like I said, we're crying in our beard a little bit about victory, but I don't think all is lost. I think I think the real benefit here, which is probably obvious, but I think the real winner here is going to be Indian. You know, they can just throw more weight behind Indian. They can go after Harley more head to head, and who knows? Maybe there'll be some spinoffs out of Indian that you know walk and talk a lot like the old bikes from Victory. So. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping some of that DNA crosses over and and it's not it's not dead, 100%. Yeah, we'll, we'll just wait and see. Wow, that's an interesting bike. The V-Star 1300 Deluxe. Hmm. Is that Yamaha? Yeah. Hold on, I want to see it. Yeah. V-Star. It's in your favorite color too. V-Star 1300. 1300 Deluxe. Deluxe. Oh yeah, look at that fairing on that thing. Fully loaded, fork mounted fairing. Integrated dash, 14. Don't you like the colors? It's nice, actually. Black and red. Sweet. That's that's an interesting price, too. So, See, that's what I was kind of saying with, with Victory. If I was walking in there and a Magnum was like was like this, was 14.2 or even 15, which is what the price of them is now on fire sale. But <laughs> Well, to, to go... On the other aspect, and, and it's kind of one of these sad things, you have to think about if everything is made in America, in Minnesota and Iowa, Right. you got the so much overhead to make stuff in America made, where the Japanese stuff, unfortunately, comes across cheaper and reliable, so they can cut price cheaper. So that's the side. Yeah, well, it's... You know, it's more of a global bike. You know, parts are sourced all over the globe and then assembled overseas and shipped to the U.S. So, yeah, they've they've got economies of scale. They've got lower labor, lower cost of labor, in different parts of the world. So, you know, there's some advantages to that. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to stop speculating because we're going to ramble on forever, and it's just going to sound terrible. So, we'll yeah, save so- it. We'll save it for our exciting interview because I think there'll be some really cool stuff. Uh, with our next guest. Right. And and kind of, you know, we're probably about ready to uh, downplay this a little bit, but, you know, we also got everybody listening out. We're going to be an easy rider here coming up this weekend, my friend. On the 21st. That's right. So oh, yeah. we may have one of the riders, uh, Mike, join us. So that'll be fun. Oh, yeah. It'd be cool. Uh, is Mike going to be able to get out too, or is he going to be? We'll see. Yeah. I, I haven't heard from him on or offline so i don't know if he's around this weekend or not but yeah it'd be fun four of us could go right up there together do we need to do a u-turn since i already talked about it no you already talked about it other than we we talked about the trip to daytona which we're planning which is coming up and the speeds did you find any speeds i didn't find any speeds i didn't either the corvette wasn't the fastest so i wasn't interested other than i think you said something about mr jeff gordon what was his comment that he's having some problems in that caddy? Well, there was an interesting interview. And if you guys remember back a couple of episodes, we did the fun with, with race car audio and the audio was taken from the Marshall Pruitt podcast. So he had Jeff Gordon and one of the Taylor, what is his name? The young, one of the younger Taylor drivers. Okay. But they were, they're the one, two of the three that are going to race in that Cadillac. And 
you know, Jeff Gordon was saying it's, it's been a long time in a race car since he'd been lightheaded from the G forces. So that was impressive to hear, you know, what that Cadillac is pulling. Well, they do push over 200 miles an hour in those prototype cars around that track on the high banks. Well, it's everything. It's the downforce too. I mean, they're running through the corners at an incredible rate. And then the braking, you know, he was basically saying you drive it into the corner at the point where you basically scare the crap out of yourself and then you stand on the brakes <laughs> and it still goes around the corner. <laughs> well, they do change the brakes during the race. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those cars they do for sure. Over 24 hours. Yeah. Did you want to talk about the, your uh, new series you want to talk about? My what? New, new topic you want to talk about or you want to save that for Mr. Hogan when he gets back next week? Yeah, we'll save that for Hogan because we need a pick from him. Okay. All right. Let's see. Anything else we got? No, I don't events? think Events. Events. Come on, we got? events. Events. What do we got? Well, you mentioned Easy Riders on the 21st. We're now confirmed for the Rolex 24, the week of the 28th. Week end of the 28th. I'm going to make John come down to Charlotte the weekend of April 1st so we can watch some American flat track racing. And then you're going to the mountains with the vloggers again, April 7th through the 9th. Oh, yeah. We, that's all confirmed. There's eight of us. And uh, in fact, uh, Mike from our group is going to be joining us out there. So he's going to go have some fun with the boys. Very nice. We got a cabin rented. So I don't know how that's going to work out. Well, and then long term, of course, we have the Motorcycle Podcaster Challenge again at some point this year. And Dude. I think the only other thing we can really commit to is. Uh, Barber in the fall. Oh. One in the cup. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That, that's going to be another fun event. And and since we planned that, if uh, any listeners will throw it out there, want to tag along with us, you know, shoot us up. Let us know that you think about going with us. And I think currently, unless everything changes, we're planning on camping at the campground, at the, at the um, track this year. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I think it's, it's not too early to start talking about it, but if we get enough people interested and, and let us know that you're going to be there, at least in the area, we may try to do some sort of semi-formal meetup this year, you know, maybe plan an event where everyone can get together and hang out. So if we get enough people, that's something we may do when we get down to Alabama. Maybe the fact is, and, and if we got there, I'm, I know it's kind of one of those hard things to do, maybe on a, I know last year we did it on Sundays. Maybe, maybe talk to Lee and see if he'd take us on a, you know, he knows the roads down there. Maybe he could take us on a little ride with us and everybody take, not his space, you know, pace of a ride, but, you know, maybe he could take us on some back roads and I don't know. Yeah, that'd be fun. Well, there's other people in the area. Like, you know, we met up with Kevin last year from Throttled, so he knows places around there can help us out with some of that as well. And I hope so. I hope he drags Larry out from the West Coast. That'd be cool. Oh man, that'd be cool. And and know what we need to do? Shall we call up the motorcycle man and say, "Hey, come on, let's get down here." Come on, fire up your hogs and get down here. I know, right? That'd be good. All right. Well, thank you, John. And with that, I would like to take a moment and thank the riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. That would be our first five riders: Marcus, Rickard, Edward, Jebby, and Zion. Barbershop rider Chuck. We've got our riders group, Steve, Mike, Micah, and Mark, and insider, my brother, Kenny, who's also on the live stream. Thank and you. for one more second, we just got a new patron. Thanks to Mr. Jebby. 
Ah, we have Jim Weaver all signed up. Welcome to the yeah. club. Oh, he's going to have some fun now. So he's also taking us up on our promotion. So for the $1 amount, he will actually get an invite to the monthly video hangout. And also we'll bring him into the clubhouse, um, which is our little private uh, social media network for uh, about 45 days. And then he can decide where he wants to go from there. All right. Loudpipes.net slash donate is the place to be. If you're interested in any of that, check out all the perks we have available to our supporters. And if you're interested in any show swag, check out loudpipes.net slash store. John and his wonderful wife, Natalie, handle that, so give them something to do. And as usual, additional information for the episode, including links and images, can be found on the website, loudpipes.net slash 71. Right, John? It is. You'll find links there to leave us feedback, subscribe to the show, follow us on... So... Wrong sound. Follow us on... (laughs) social media (laughs) how many beers have you had it's been that kind of night kickstands up oh yeah let's go my friend chapila downshift let's get going oh and now he calls in (laughs) good timing (laughs) i need 30 minutes (laughs) what's up hogan i'm gonna have later what happened (laughs) did you get lost or something oh my goodness you would not believe tonight. I, I couldn't believe, begin to tell you. <laughs> if you're enjoying the show and want more, check out loudpipes.net slash donate.